0: We've been talking about answering the call, and when you think about Christmas, you think about what took place on the first Christmas, you think about all the peculiar events. I mean, it was probably something like today where so many things happened that had not happened before. Do you know that today is actually the second coldest Christmas in Miami's history? Thank you for watching the Dolphins broadcast. They announced it there. I didn't fact check it, but hey, we'll take it from that. There was a lot of things that happened. There was a lot of things that were strange, if you will, like a baby being born to a virgin. Like the fact that the baby was not laid down in a crib, but we know what the Bible says. He was placed in a manger, in a trough where they would feed animals. What another peculiar thing take place when the Bible says that there were these shepherds out in the fields, And as these shepherds were out in the fields, and shepherds had like the lowest of jobs in that time, and they're out in the field, and an angel appears and says, glory to God in the highest, and tells them, I bring you good news, because they all freaked out. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you're camping in the middle of the night, and the heavens shine, and an angel appears and says, glory to God in the highest, bro, like the shepherds, I'd freak out too. And they were full of fear, and they say, Relaxed. I've got a good message for you. I've got good tidings. Today, in the town of David, is born. And this will be the sign of this baby that is born. You will find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and in a manger. And then the other thing that we find out that happens on that day or around that day was a star that came out in the heavens. As a matter of fact, I want you to start there with me for a second. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Look at verse number 1 of Matthew 2. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. If you're online, it's coming out right around here somewhere. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. It's believed that these men were like astrologers. They weren't kings. Some places call them magi. They call them wise men. We don't know how many they were, and we don't know their name, just in case. It's not Gaffar and all these other things. That's invented. We don't know what their names were, and we don't know how many they were. And here's another little tidbit for you. They didn't get there on the day he was born. All these nativities, that have the wise men there. First thing that was wrong, they have three, and we don't know how many they were. And the second thing that was wrong is that they didn't find Jesus in the manger. They found them in his house. But that's just besides the point. Here's the critical part. That night, a star a light that wasn't in the heavens before appeared. And these men who studied the stars, these men who looked at the skies, they saw something peculiar. They saw something that sparked their interest. They saw something that caused them to start making a way, a voyage towards the light. And they get to this place, they, they get to this town, they come to the king, and they tell Herod about it. And the, the star, we don't know if it would come and go. We don't know if it would shine for moments and then turn off or whatnot, how God did it. We don't know. But we know that Herod starts to inquire, and they tell him, in the town of Bethlehem is where this king is supposed to be born. So when they leave that place, right there in Matthew chapter 2, verses a few verses later, says that when they leave, again the star appeared before them, and they followed it until it rested upon the house. And they walked into the house and found the child with his mother, and they gave him gifts. Church, I want to talk to you tonight for just a few minutes about the call to shine. The call to shine to shine. You know, every single one of us has been called to shine, resplandecer. Sounds better in Spanish. That's one of the few words that Spanish has a leg up on there. Shine. Jesus in Matthew chapter five, if you flip your Bible two pages over to chapter number five, verses number 13 and 14, or sorry, starting in verse 14, Jesus says to the disciples, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How many of you have seen the movie Mission Impossible? By the way, there's a new one coming out, and it looks really cool. If you haven't seen the preview yet, but in the first Mission Impossible, there is a scene when he's got to break into this vault, right? And he's got to get in there, but he can't touch the floor. And he gets this harness on. And if you remember, they, they he gets in there and they open the roof. And I'm pretty sure it's Mission Impossible One. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's that one. And Tom Cruise, right? Like Ethan Hunt, he goes and he drops. <laughs> And he's there, and and he's trying to do all these things, and, and it's so uncritical that not even anything can touch the floor, that there's the high climactic point where a drip of sweat comes off the brow, and it goes to hit the floor, and all of a sudden, he catches it. And man, can I tell you, there are so many of us Christians living the world out there like Ethan Hunt, trying not to be found. We're doing everything within our power to get in and then get out without leaving a trace. We're doing everything within our power to go in, and here's the problem. We're called to shine, not hide. Mm-hmm. You and I, we are called to shine. And what does light do? It exposes darkness. Right. What does light do? It, 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 it will call out everything, and it will influence the dark. I mean, no matter how or what you do, you will never make it dark enough for light to stop shining. Right. That's, right. Wow. that's right now. Even if I just pulled out a cell phone and I had it and everything in here went dark, there's nothing we could do that would make the light be overcome by the dark. So that's the second point that we need to reminder. We're called to shine but we're called to influence. Light influences darkness. Light influences darkness. And you and I are called by Jesus to be light. He says you are the light of the world. And in the same way that a star shone in the sky for these men to follow it and find Jesus, you and I are called to shine and to influence Why? So that others would see the light, follow it, and find Jesus. It's the whole Christmas story in what you and I are supposed to do every single day. Every single day. Why is it that we feel that we have to keep our light hidden? Why is it that we feel that we cannot expose See, I remember sharing this story a long time ago of a, a, a story I read of when the electric light first reached houses. So before we had electricity, people used kerosene lamps or candles. And what happens when you use kerosene or when you use candles? There is a residue that is left behind. And there's this famous story of this very, very wealthy couple. And they were the first ones in their neighborhood to finally get electric light. And they threw a massive party, like Noche Buena style party, right? Like massive, invite everybody. I can just imagine if they were Cuban, they had the cajachin outside. Like they had it all ready to roll. And everybody comes in and they get to the most important point of the evening, when they flip the switch for the lights in the house to turn on during the night and everybody gathers around and everybody's there and they go and they flip the switch. And when they flip the switch, here's what happened. Everybody went, "Ah!" not because of the electric light, but because they noticed that all of the walls and the roof were stained with the residue of the kerosene lights and the candles. That day, certain people said, this is why I will never have electric light. The people that owned that house, they said, get everybody in here, let's clean the walls and paint them again. (laughs) Many times, we don't want to shine light because light exposes And we feel we need to keep our light hidden because when we walk around our workplace shining the light of Jesus, some people feel uncomfortable. You don't even have to say anything. Sometimes you just have to walk in the room. Sometimes you just have to be there and the fact that you don't laugh at their dirty joke or the fact that you don't participate in something that they were doing that was illegal or doing something that wasn't right. They're like, why are you being so Christian? Can't you just have a little bit of fun, right? Like, they tell us all these snarky things or things of that nature, and that causes us to not want to shine the light. But can I tell you, you have been called by Jesus. Number one, you are the light of the world, and we have to shine. And number two, we need to influence. You know what? People around you will change. When they see that you and I have changed, when they see that you and I are not the same person and they ask you, what's different? Well, let me tell you about this light. Let me tell you about the one that changed me. It leads me to the third point I want to talk about just briefly tonight. And it's the fact that we are called to shine because our shining light leads people to recognize and worship Jesus. It's what he said there in Matthew. I'm going to read it one more time. Verse 16 of chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, many of us say things like, I just want to work in the backgrounds. I don't want anybody to see. I don't want anybody to know. I just want to be in the back. Light can't stay in the back. Light will always shine in the darkness. You and I, as we shine. Now, I want to be very clear. It doesn't mean we're perfect. Anybody here perfect? Raise your hand. Good. I don't have to call anybody a liar tonight. We're not perfect. We mess up. You know what separates us? The fact that we can be humble and we can acknowledge our mistake and we can repent before God and before man and then keep going forward. That's what sets us apart as Christians. And you and I, as we shine our light, we're able to lead people to him. Some of you, perhaps you ask this question, well, how long do I need to let my light shine before this person finally comes to Jesus? If we go back to the story of the wise men, It says that Herod asked them, when did this light start shining? And based on the calculations of when the light started shining and when the wise men found Jesus, it is believed that Jesus was about two years old when the wise men got to him. That means that light was in the sky being followed for probably almost two years before these wise men got there. One of the other reasons we know that it was probably about two years was because Herod, to be safe, sent every boy that was two years old or younger to be killed. Why would he kill all the two-year-olds and younger if the baby was a baby when the wise men got there? Now, what do I want to get at? You and I can't give up shining light because that person that you're shining light around, it might take them a year or two or three or four. But as they see the light in you, they'll eventually come to Christ. Don't give up. Don't turn it off. Don't say, oh, no, no, with this guy. No, no, no. Isn't forget it. I don't want that person to get sick. I'm not going to be this. No, you and I are called to shine the light. Jesus is said in John chapter 1 that he is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And it says that he is the light that comes to all mankind. And can I tell you this? The reason you and I can shine is because the day that we ask Jesus to come into our heart, a light begins to shine. That others can recognize and will ultimately go to Him. You and I become the star of Bethlehem. You and I, in this dark world, shine a light so that people will see Him and go to the Father. It's not about you and me. You know, part of being humble is when people try to attribute it to you, that you say, it's not me, it's God in me. Right, We love, I don't know about you, I love the moon. I think the moon is so cool. I love looking at the moon and it it looks so awesome. I love that we're trying to get astronauts back onto the moon and all this stuff because I love science. It's cool. But the moon has no light of its own. It only reflects the light of the sun. And in the same way, it's not that you and I are a star, but we shine the light of Jesus because Jesus now lives in us. The greatest gift that you and I receive is the fact that Jesus was born, died on a cross, rose from the grave, and you and I can have him in our heart so that that light may now shine too. Church, as we celebrate Christmas year after year, we have to remember that it's not about any other thing than the fact that Jesus was born. We celebrate the fact that he came. We celebrate the fact that he rose from the grave after he died on the cross. But can I tell you, there can't be a cross or a resurrection if there wasn't first a birth. And the light that shone in the sky is now you and I in this dark world. I don't know about you, but the more I see the news, read the things that are out there, the darker and darker the world is getting. But you and I, we have the light. And it's time to shine the light brightly for everyone to see. Unapologetically. Can I tell you something? Some people will be uncomfortable around you. That's okay. Can I tell you something? Some people will not understand. Some people might even get angry. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago or a few months ago, and I was asking about a specific person that we knew in common, and they said, I haven't spoken to them anymore. And I said, what happened? And they said, that person just wanted to continue to do all the things that I used to do, and I'm not the same person anymore. So they decided they didn't want to hang out with me anymore. Guess what? That's okay they made the choice to get out of the light and stay in the dark let it not be because you and i turned off our light for them to feel comfortable in their darkness church shine the light everywhere you go everyone you deal with and make sure you're shining the light can i tell you one more thing the light shines brighter when it's darker That means it is important that we have association with people that don't know Jesus. Let me tell you that one more time. It is important that we have association with people that don't know Jesus. Now notice I'm using the word association. I'm not saying you need to have more non-believers around you than believers. I'm not saying that you need to be doing all the things. I'm just saying you ain't going to win anybody to Christ if you're around no one that doesn't know Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples. Now, you don't make disciples by doing what they do. They start doing what you do. So let's be strong, shine our light, and in the dark world, keep shining answering the call to shine the light of jesus where everywhere you can shine the light of jesus at costco at publix at walmart you can shine the light of jesus on an airplane you can shine the light of jesus anywhere you go at the restaurant at the workplace at at the grocery store at anywhere you go you can shine the light of jesus and the world recognizes when there's something different And that points them to him. What is the ultimate goal of the light? To expose the darkness out of the way so that they may see your father and glorify him. Amen.